Well, the carol, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is a song that stands out for many reasons from the other Christmas carols. And that's mainly because this song was written by African American uh, slaved people. And, and like many spirituals and folk songs, Go Tell It on the Mountain, though, has pretty murky origins. We can't point to one person that wrote this song. This song likely dates back to the 1800s, but spirituals were passed from plantation to plantation orally, uh, disseminating these songs without sheet music or let alone any type of recording. So it makes them difficult to date accurately. We don't know exactly when this song was written. But the person responsible for making a Christmas classic out of Go Tell It on the Mountain, is an African-American man that was a Nashville-born collector of spirituals named John Wesley Work Jr. What he would do is he would archive and save these things and make them available for people to learn about. And through that process, the Fisk University Jubilee Singers, I've got a a picture of them right here, uh, they made this song popular and widespread in 1879. And this was a school that was founded to educate formerly enslaved people. So let's read the lyrics real real quick. It says, while shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Down in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born, and God sent out salvation that blessed Christmas morn. When I was a seeker, I sought both night and day. I sought the Lord to help me, and he showed me the way. He made me a watchman upon the city wall, and if I am a Christian, I am the least of all. This song is primarily, seems to be based on two pieces of scripture. And one of them is from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who foretells of a day when the good news of the Messiah will be announced throughout the whole entire world. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. How many of you are like me where you're really bad at keeping good news a secret? Yeah? I'm not good at it, especially for my wife. If I've got good news, I'm going to call her. I'm going to, as soon as I see her, I'm going to try and say it. And, And Christmas, this Christmas season is the worst of all because I tend to give my Christmas gifts like two weeks in advance at least. Like, hey, you want your Christmas present right now? I'm too tired of, like, I just want to give it to you. And here this passage talks about someone that's bringing good news and publishing salvation and the news of happiness. And this song and and verse tells of an important message that needs to get out to all the nations. So what is this message? What are we telling? Well, we're telling the good news. Now we're familiar with those words, good news, from the New Testament. And we know the gospel means good news. But this is 700 years before the New Testament authors uh, were writing 
about this Messiah that had come. This is 700 years before Christ. So what's going on in this Old Testament passage? Well, besides Psalms, Isaiah is the second most quoted book in the New Testament. In fact, some even refer to it as the fifth gospel, right? In this, uh, you know, uh, this colloquial way. Uh, because it mentions the coming Messiah so many times. So here's an example. The Gospel of John in chapter 12 tells us that the hard hearts of the Pharisees uh, that they expressed towards Jesus, that that was foretold hundreds of years in advance. So let's look at that real quick in John chapter 12 and verse 37. He, John here is quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. He's talking about Jesus and how he was rejected. It says, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It says, therefore, they could not believe. For Isaiah again said, he blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory of the Lord and spoke of him. So in this passage, he's telling them, uh, this Messiah is going to come and people are going to reject him. They're going to have blind eyes towards the Messiah. See, the coming Messiah was not the last resort. This was always the plan. God sent Jesus knowing that he would be rejected by the religious elite. It was all how it was supposed to go. So Isaiah is given this cloudy glimpse of the future Messiah. And he says, when that news comes, go tell it on the mountain. The good news of peace and happiness and salvation is here. Let's read that verse 7 again of Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings the good news of happiness, who publishes salvation. Who says the Zion, your God, reigns? There's an important thing to know about Isaiah. Is he lived in the latter parts of the kingdom of Israel. It wasn't going to last much longer when he was a prophet. And he was a prophet for four separate kings. Some of them were good and some of them were not so good. But his message was simple. God had given Isaiah this message to give Israel. And if they didn't repent... They would fall into captivity and be oppressed. And it was a dark message. It was not good news. And eventually it did come to pass. They were taken from their country and exiled. But Isaiah wanted to be a good news person, even though he had this bad news. And he would constantly push past the bad news to the future to a point when this country would be made right again. Yeah, right now in this moment, things are struggling and things are not going so good and, and judgment for their sin was coming, but there was going to be hope on the other side. And after that capture and exile from their country, they would come back home. And then one amazing day in the future, the ultimate hope would save them once and for all, the Messiah. I'm sure Isaiah felt the weight of being the guy that had the bad news. Maybe you've had to do that. I, I don't like, just as much as I like giving good news, I don't like 
giving bad news. And it's a weight on you. And Isaiah has to say this. He has to say, hey, Israel, hard times are coming because you won't repent. You've rejected the God that has loved you and cared for you. You've disobeyed God over and over, and he's given you chance after chance after chance after chance. And you're about to feel the consequences of your sin because you will not repent. You will be a people with no country. You will have to leave your home and your family and your culture and your people, and you will be out of place, and you will be scared. I'm sure the, being the messenger that brought that kind of message wasn't easy. But Isaiah says, hold on. Don't lose all hope. Yes, that's going to happen. But I can't wait for that messenger that brings the good news, the good news that we need, the hope of the gospel, the Messiah will come, the news that has that hope with it. And Isaiah says, when that messenger comes, he better shout it from the mountaintops. In Isaiah, this chapter 52 tells us about this good news. And in the next verses, it goes to give us some of the most detailed prophecies about the coming Messiah. Verse 52, or excuse me, uh, chapter 52, verse 12. Isaiah goes on and says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. This is talking about the coming Messiah. He shall be, a, uh, he shall be high and lifted up, and he shall be exalted. As many were astonished at his appearance, it was so marred. Behind, beyond, uh, beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. This prophecy looks forward to Jesus being lifted up on the cross, his appearance so disfigured that you couldn't recognize him, and Christ tragically would look inhumane. But what looked like bad news for Christ was actually good news for us. Now, we've talked before about how they didn't add the chapter and verse delineations in the Bible until the 1500s. So previously to that time, you wouldn't see chapter this, verse this. And this is one of those areas where I think they actually hurt the process by splitting this prophecy of Jesus in half. Because in Isaiah chapter 53, it goes on in verse 1 and continues to talk about the Messiah. And it says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before them like a young plant and like a, a root out of dry ground. He has no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by a man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. This is the good news. That the God of the universe was born in earthly body, and he lived a normal life without fanfare or without luxury he wasn't anything special by human standards. In fact, he was despised and rejected by those the world deemed important. He was familiar with his own sorrows and his own grief, and yet he bore our sorrows and bore our grief too. 
He took our punishment. And he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Jesus paid our debt in order to bring us peace by his wounds and his brokenness. We are healed and made whole. That's the good news. That's the message that we are uh, encouraged to go tell it on the mountain. Salvation is here. The Messiah is here. So that's what we are telling. But who are we supposed to go tell? Well, the second scripture this song is based on is the story of the shepherds coming to Jesus the night he was born, which is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping their watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled, uh, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Here's the news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those in whom he's pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In Roman society, there was a very strict class system. Uh, they had this uh, you know, importance placed on people of wealth and status and power. And all the way at the top, there was the emperor and then the political elite and then the military and the religious elite. And then all the way down at the bottom, the servants and the people that were in poverty. So if you were God, and some of us operate that way sometimes, but you're not, right? If you were God, how would you choose in this culture that we're thinking about to announce the birth of the Messiah. If you wanted to get the most buzz and the most bang for your buck and make the biggest splash possible, don't you think you would have chosen the angels to go to Caesar himself to announce the birth of the Messiah? Or maybe a religious leader or at least a Roman senator? But the angels appeared to the shepherds to tell of Jesus' birth. Think about those shepherds mentioned in Luke. They weren't famous They weren't powerful. They weren't particularly known for their hygiene. Shepherds were at the bottom of the food chain. They were known as dirty and simple and backwoods type people. They weren't winning any popularity contests. They were were basically, in a way, homeless. It's moving all around. And on top of that, they weren't considered respectable citizens since they had to work seven days a week and therefore couldn't take the Sabbath off to rest. And go to the temple like everybody else. In fact, shepherds were so low in society that their testimony was not even accepted in court. They were seen as unreliable witnesses. But God values the humble and the needy. This good news is for us. God values the things of this world that it says are valueless. So it's no surprise that the writers of this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, 
these American enslaved people from across the ocean, identified with the message of the ancient people of Israel. Other people that also knew what exile was like, that had left their families and were beaten and abused and separated from their land. But they both held out that hope that one day Christ was going to return and make the whole earth new. And that he would right every wrong and every injustice and he would heal every hurt and wipe every tear. Go tell that news on the mountain. Remind each other of this promise. Jesus was born and lived and died and rose again and he's coming back soon to make every wrong uh, right and everything new. It's also no surprise that these American enslaved people identified with the shepherds. As unfair as it was a couple hundred years ago, these enslaved people were people without status and without influence and without value in the eyes of this world. J.D. Greer says this, If the good news really means that there is no one too lowly for God to pursue, no one so insignificant for God to overlook. No one so guilty that God will forsake. No one so broken that God cannot heal. No one so lost that God cannot find. That he is able to save to the uttermost. If all these things are true, then go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it everywhere. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Well, let's look at real quick at Romans 10. It echoes the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was speaking to a country that would need hope when they were in exile. And here in Romans 10, Paul reminds us that we are foreigners and strangers in this world, that this world is not our home. But we are called to spread the message of hope throughout the land while we're here. And hope spreads by word of mouth. Romans 10, 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him uh, in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, it says, whenever that says that in the New Testament, it means in the Old Testament, and this is by Isaiah, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. God can use you no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, as long as you are humble enough to allow him. Not even the humblest of beginnings can stop the powerful life-changing story of the gospel. The Pharisees, which were the political and religious leaders, rejected Jesus. But that was okay. That didn't stop the gospel. God's plan was bigger. Instead, he went to the sinner, the harlot, the thief, and they accepted the good news with all eagerness. And later on, God gave Paul the opportunity to preach in palaces before governors and kings and even Caesar. But God didn't stop, uh, stop and skip the ones that society forgets. In fact, he starts there. This song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, was written from a place of oppression and struggle. But the good news brings hope even in the most desperate situations. 
The hope that is found in this song uh, reminds us that all that is broken can be healed. And the writers of this song, it reminded them that all that was broken by the slave master would one day be restored and all that is cursed will be cured. When I was a seeker, I sought both night and day. I sought the Lord to help me and he showed me a way. He made me the watchman upon the city wall and if I am a Christian, I am the least of all. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. This character here mentioned the watchman would have been someone that was stationed up on the mountain looking for the flag of victory to come be carried home after a battle. And imagine that excitement. The victory's already won. Have hope. As of 2021, we have a new federal holiday called Juneteenth. And this is a reminder of the end of slavery. And this celebrates that on June 19, 1865, that uh, Major General Gordon Granger of the United States Army arrived in Galveston, Texas, and he announced the end of the Civil War and the end of slavery. Although the Emancipation Proclamation came two and a half years earlier on January 1, 1863. But can you imagine what that hope and victory would be like to get that information? You're free. There is progress. Your life will change. But there's also a tragic aspect of this story. People in those parts of Texas lived in slavery for two and a half years longer than they needed to. Why? Because no one told them. The victory that they longed for had happened, but no one told them. And that's our call and our mandate to tell every person that's in bondage to sin, that is waiting for freedom, that Jesus Christ is born. That is the message of Christmas. It's not eggnog and lights and holiday music. It is that Jesus was born, and not just that a baby was born 2,000 years ago, but that hope was born. And that baby became a man, and he died on a cross for us, and he bore our grief and our sorrows, and he healed us through his death and his resurrection, and he brought us into relationship with God. Go tell it on the mountain. Well, tell what? The good news, the gospel, the hope that is found in Jesus. Jesus reversed the curse of sin. Freedom, victory, liberty, and hope all found in Christ. The curse is reversed. The good news declares to us that pain and hurt and brokenness is just temporary. There is hope. Go. Tell it on the mountain. Tell who? Every soul that was made in the image of God. Doesn't matter how lowly or how powerful. Doesn't matter if they're accepted by society or not. All need to know that there is hope. And that's your challenge this Christmas season. Go tell it on the mountain. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we love you. As we head into this time of communion and remembering about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God, I pray you uh, make us so aware of your presence in this moment. 
Help us not to rush past it to the things that we need to do next. Help us to see this moment as sacred and holy. God, I pray that you help us to be people that are good news people for this community that we live in.